Welcome to Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, where we promote integration and collaboration. Whether you are just starting your practice or you are ready to push the profession forward, we aim to provide you all the tools necessary to form relationships and educate your community. After all, spines of all sizes deserve to be adjusted. Welcome to our podcast and thanks for listening. Hey guys, it's Dr. Katie here with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, and today we are going to get tactical again, Um, and this is mostly tailored towards uh, your new business owners. So um, you're a DC, you maybe just took the animal program, and you want to get out and start your animal practice. Well, you may or may not be in a referral state. Hopefully you were not, so you don't have to deal with this headache, but um, I included this as a part of my 90-day program Um, Because a lot of people are like, hey, what do I need on my referral forms? So in many states, it's indirect or direct supervision. And what that means is you have to have a vet sign off and or be present during your treatment. So um, kind of, you know, is what it is. Um, But when you do get, say, an indirect referral, which is a referral slip from a vet with their signature saying you have the go-ahead and my permission to work on this patient, there are several things that I think you should include on your forms, Um, especially if the vet isn't present. It's good to uh, have all your bases covered so that way you have an agreement with a vet, you have an agreement with the patient owner, so that way everyone is on the same page. So um, I'm going to go through a lot of stuff and I recommend that if you are driving right now or working out or doing something else that you listen to this again because there's several things on here and I can't tell you how many times I've redone my referral forms. It used to be just a couple of little statements and now it's like just a huge long piece of paper with a bunch of fine print and um, I put my informed consent and my referral on the same piece of paper so that way patient owners don't have to fill out a whole bunch of stuff Um, and that's up to you whether you do the referral slip separate um, and you do the informed consent when you actually meet the patient owner completely up to you Um, but I put them on the same piece of paper so that way it's just one form and that way I never have to think about it again because I'm horrible with paper. But what I recommend that you have um, on your forms, there's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, okay, about eight or nine uh, points that I recommend that you cover. Okay, the very first thing, I'm in Texas, so I'm in an indirect referral state, and I don't have, like, a perfect form for every single state because all the laws are different, but um, I recommend in your first couple of statements that you mention, hey, I am a DC, a doctor of chiropractic, and I have advanced training through the ABCA or IBCA. And then list your license and your certification number. Now, the reason I mention this is because um, I'm completely transparent. If someone wants to look me up, I want to give them the ability to do so. I want them to know that I have that advanced training so that way they can differentiate me from, um, you know, just a human chiropractor without advanced training wanting to adjust an animal because I personally believe that an animal gets better treatment from someone that has advanced training because animal spines are not the same as people's spines. So I want to give them the opportunity, vet or owner, to look me up and uh, make sure I'm legitimate. The second Uh, thing that I recommend that you include is that you don't intend to replace traditional veterinary care. We complete don't 
compete. So you complement what a vet is doing. You do not replace what they are doing, regardless of what your opinions are on chiropractic versus traditional westernized medicine. You are there to work together with a veterinarian. And that is the whole purpose of this podcast is integrative care. So I do recommend that you put it on there that you are working together with a vet. You are not replacing what they are doing. Stay in your lane. And then the third statement, word for word, what does your state law say? Um, I can't tell you how many times animal owners are kind of aggressive (laughs) and try and attack me for just explaining what the state laws are. So literally, I just, I have a picture on my phone that I can text to people now, Um, but this is what the law says. I am not the person you need to attack. I am only the messenger. Uh, Don't shoot the messenger. This is how the law is. Um, And I put it right there on my form so that way they're aware, the vet's aware, and that way everyone's on the same page of what is going to happen with this relationship. The next thing I include, point number four, is what is my scope and what is not my scope. So in Texas, it's very clear I'm not allowed to do nutritional support. I'm not allowed to recommend any kind of medication. I'm not allowed to do anything with needles or anything with surgery. Okay, that that makes sense, right? Of course, nutritional kind of sucks, right? Because I obviously have my own opinions on what is good for a dog to take, say for like a joint supplement, um, but I stay in my lane. So it is important that I say, okay, this is vet medicine. This is musculoskeletal chiropractic care, what I am doing. So I separate the two clear as day what the two are, um, you know, what I'm doing, what the vet is doing. The next thing I recommend is a statement saying you don't guarantee results. I can't tell you how many times animal owners contact me and they say, I'm going to put down my dog tomorrow. You're a last ditch ever. And I say, well, <laughs> no pressure, but, um, you know, I can't guarantee that what I'm going to do is going to work. You know, maybe what they've had has been um, a growing issue for the past 10, 12 years. I don't know how old the dog is when they first decide to get them treated or their horse. And I don't know what all the complicating factors are. So I can't guarantee that there's not some underlying problem um, that I'm not going to be able to fix, you know? So it is important that you tell the owner, well, chiropractic can be amazing. I'm not going to guarantee results. Um, just with any medical treatment, you know, it is called a practice for a reason. You're practicing and learning every single day. Um, in Texas, this is kind of optional, um, but I do recommend that you mention it. Um, I say that, excuse me, I have a written statement in bold that the owner will not hold me or the vet liable for any negative reactions. Now, this seems counterintuitive because I carry a malpractice policy. I really recommend that you carry a malpractice policy as well, whether or not you need it, quote unquote, you can't see my air quotes. Um, I'm technically under a a vet's malpractice policy when I'm working on an animal in Texas, and that's not right, Um, but it is written in the law that the vet is held responsible, and I don't like that, but I feel like this kind of sugarcoats things and makes it somewhat better because we're in a sue happy um, United States of America. Everyone, if something goes wrong, they just want to sue somebody and get their money back. Um, and I can't guarantee that an animal is going to get better. And I can't guarantee that they're not going to have a negative reaction, especially since I can't do any of the x-rays or surgery or diagnosis and nutritional support. And I have a love-hate relationship with that. I know my place is musculoskeletal, but I cannot guarantee the uh, quality of the examination done by the vet that is referring to me. 
Um, of course, I have my um, preference on who does an examination. I have what I call preferred referral providers. Um, but with that being said, things get missed all the time because animals can't tell you, hey, I hurt here. Hey, it feels like this. I'm at 7 out of 10 today. I'm at 2 out of 10 today. Uh, it's burning. It's, it's uh, electric. You know, they can't tell you what the quality of the pain is. So because of that, you can't guarantee that they're not going to have negative reactions because ultimately you are going into a situation almost blind sometimes, especially if the vet hasn't sent you their records. So I recommend that you talk to an animal owner too during the first, um, you know, treatment. Um, but it is important to know that negative reactions, although remote, chiropractic is relatively safe. They can happen, especially if the dog has underlying comorbidities. So that was a big soapbox and kind of a tangent, but explain to your patient owners, hey, if this is a long-standing issue, there is a chance your older dog could have underlying conditions I'm not aware of. So although I'm going to help optimize their body's ability to heal, they may have underlying conditions that are going to come to surface that they cannot heal from. So I'm not going to guarantee that I'm going to fix all of it. All right. And the next thing I, you know, this is kind of not in any particular order. <laughs> um, I recommend that you express that the vet is allowed to share records with you. Now, uh, most of us that treat people understand HIPAA. And um, basically what that means is in the human world, I am not allowed to give medical records on a human to just anybody. I need a signed release form. That doesn't really exist in the animal world, which is nice, right? Um, however, um, in the veterinary world, to my understanding, you have to have a signed release form uh, so that way a vet can release records to whomever. So I recommend that the owner consent to the vet sharing records with you so you can look at that dog's x-ray. You can look at their records and you can work together as part of an integrative team. All right, the next thing, um, these are kind of optional. You don't have to include these. I do because it's good business practice for me uh, since I am a mobile practice, but you don't have to do this if you don't want to. Optional. Owner agrees to pay at time of service and may pay a cancellation fee if no uh, good proper notice isn't given. I recommend 24 hours. Um, you can have more than that, um, but owner agrees to pay at time of service. I know some people even require a down payment in order to, to go out because time is money, right? So um, I definitely try and get credit cards on file to charge cancellation fees, and if you're not comfortable with that, that's okay. Um, but if I waste an hour of my time driving out to a barn and then everyone canceled on me, well, I just lost a whole bunch of income. So that's why I have a cancellation fee. Um, the next one I recommend you have on there is ask owners if it is okay that you share pictures on social media. Now, you know, I am a very transparent person and I try to post before and afters on my social media page. And I want that consent from the owner to share those because that is such a huge practice builder. You don't have to include that if you don't feel comfortable doing social media. Um, you know, please try and take before and after videos, at least for yourself, to share with the veterinarians referring to you. Um, but please ask your animal owners um, if it's okay for you to share videos because they are so great at increasing the amount of people uh, that refer to you because they see the results. And 
Um, I hate that we're in such a result-driven society. I wish we were more in a preventative, like, I'm going to take care of this before it becomes a problem society. Uh, But if you have a dog that is so bad, limping, dragging their legs, paralyzed, and then you make them walk in two visits, well, that is going to build your practice quite a bit. All right, so I hope this gave you some ideas of, hey, this is what I need to include in my referral form in order to um, cover my butt in case anything legal should happen. Uh, This is just a sidebar. Um, I personally separate my animal business from my human business just because if I'm working on a really expensive, say, $300,000 horse, um, it doesn't affect my human practice because theoretically there are some very expensive horses out there and say something goes wrong, which not saying it will, but if it does go wrong, that animal owner could sue me for all of um, my assets, whether that be uh, my human practice or my animal practice. So I keep those two separate so that way in my animal practice, they can only get that half of the cookie instead of all of the cookie. Um, but I do recommend that you have... Um, all of these uh, pieces in place. Think proactively about um, taking care of yourself in relationships with animal owners because, um, you know, unfortunately things go wrong and it is important to have insurance and it is important to think ahead so that way you can prevent further issues from happening. All right, so I'm going to have a different podcast episode about what to say to animal owners when they're ready to schedule, but they don't yet have a referral uh, because it can be a little bit awkward. Um, But I recommend that you go ahead and draft up your referral forms, have them ready to go. So that way, when you start your animal practice, you will be prepared and you will have all of your bases covered. So I am Dr. Katie. I'm with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic. And uh, if you like this podcast or have something you want me to talk about, please let me know by leaving me a review, a rating, or contacting me on Instagram or Facebook at Making Strides for Animal Chiro. Can't wait to hear from you. Have a great week in practice, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, Dr. Katie here. Thanks for listening. My intention behind starting this podcast was to build awareness and promote our amazing profession. If you like what we're doing here, please like, share, or leave a review. Help us to spread this movement so we all can begin to take steps towards change. Let's make strides for animal chiropractic.